Well, friends, um, my name is Austin. I am one of the pastors here, and we are in a series called Dis- <coughs> Excuse me. We're in a series called Disconnected, and uh, in this series, we're really talking about relationships. How over the last few years, we felt like a wave of disconnected come to us, not only from the pandemic, but also in uh, relationships. And what our desire for the body of Christ is to be reconnected. And so, we, uh, in our conviction, say we can't talk about relationships with you if we're not encouraging you to talk with one another. And so um, we, the way that we do that uh, during this series is we have an opportunity over the next five minutes uh, in the middle of the sermon, which might feel awkward, but the way that we make it feel less awkward is we have some um, pastries and some coffee and some water in the back. And we also have a question prompt. So you're like, I don't know what to talk about. We give it to you. And over the last few weeks, we've had some um, uh, interesting questions. And here's another zinger and an interesting question. And I really particular, whoever talks uh, to Pastor Mark and Pastor Kyle, I want you to come up especially and talk to me afterwards because I want to hear their answer to this question because this is directly from them. This is the question. Uh, do you like pillow talk or are you a go straight to bed kind of person? Do you like pillow talk or you uh, go uh, straight to bed? And so what we're going to do is we're going to take the next five minutes, get up, um, see people around, interact, grab some coffee, grab some pastries, and we'll be right back. Um, A little bit more about um, our relationship series on Disconnected. It is actually formulated all entirely by our middle school and high schoolers. Um, They have over... um, they have populated a bunch of questions that they say, like, would love for the church to kind of talk to us, or these are the pressing things about relationships that we want to know. And one of the things that primarily, and maybe won't catch you by surprise, is the reality of this question that came up on everyone. How do I make friends? A question that young people are asking all the time as they transition into new schools, uh, into um, places where they knew everybody and now they don't know everybody. And so, and then you're mixed by different interests and different schools and different uh, um, classes. And all of a sudden, the question that comes up all the time is, how do I make friends? How do I make new friends? How do I continue friendships? And so as the church, we're talking about this for the next uh, two weeks. And you know what is interesting? Why this is such an important question? As I was looking into studies about friendship, one person, and there's been a lot of you that have been sending me stuff about loneliness and about isolation over um, the last three weeks, and I've been really thankful for it, and everything that I've like heard, there's this uh, theme that comes up, that there's a friendship recession in the world today. And I want to say that, in so much so, is that one of the, the, the statistics that I found in the study was that being lonely or not having a close friend is as bad for your health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Or that in 1990, when you polled men, they said that um, that men in the 90s had, um, at least when they said they had a close friend, 15% of men would say, yes, they do. In the 90s, they would say, I have a close friend. 15% of men would say it. In 2021, that was down to 3%. Now then go to the other end, not just a close friend, that when you say in terms of general friends, the same population of men that said they had like 10 or more just friends in general, that that number was 40%. 40% said they have like 10 friends like that I know. And then now in 2021, in the last, it's down to 15%. But I looked at my Instagram and my Facebook and I have 609 Instagram friends. And I have 474 Facebook friends. And if you, any of you unfriend me, unfollow me, I know. <laughs> I will find you. 
and I will watch you refriend me. Uh, but the, really, that's the question then. It's like, why then, if we have so many friends, are we feeling this regression and recession in our lives? Because I want you to hear this today. That you are not to believe the lie that connectedness is friendship. Your connectedness does not equate to friendship at all. Don't believe the lie. And so as a church, this is the thing that we gather together consistently and regularly in the way that the Lord has called us. That we are called to be a community of friends with God and with one another. We are called, how can we gather together as a community who worship God and are friends of God, but don't claim and don't have the reality of being friends with one another? It should not compute for us as followers of Jesus. And so this is what we want to talk about this morning is our big idea, is that if we are called to be community of friends with God, then that is a requirement and a call and an invitation into friendship with one another. So if you're, um, if you have your Bibles in front of me, I want to look, ask you to turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. It's right in the middle of your Bible. Um, so whether you have it physically or digitally, we'd love to look at it together. Or if you don't have it, it'll be up on the screen. And this is hopefully, and this might be a familiar passage and it might not, but Um, Here it is as the sirens come. It says this. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them. Also, if you lie down together, they will keep warm. How can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Church, this morning we're talking about this. And the Ecclesiastes is written about this uh, at the beginning of the book. It's talking about friendship. And friendship and the idea of a life alone is a life worthless and meaningful. Is, is not meaningful. Is woe that you shouldn't have a life alone. And so that's what we're talking about this morning and, and next week. There's two weeks on friendship. But really, the reality is the church needs to have a DTR with itself around friendship. And if you're thinking there, like, what's a DTR? Um, I might date myself. It was popular back in college. DTR means define the relationship. I don't know if any of you and spouses have had moments like in your relationship dating or even now later, because it still happens, where you define the relationship. Okay, here's go. Uh, Ashley and I have uh, defining the relationships, you know, in different seasons, you know, and things are changing. We define the relationship. What's going to happen? But the church needs to have a definition because I think what happens is when you don't understand the definition of friendship, you allow other things, cultural things, to influence what you believe friendship is about. So I was reading and studying, and this is uh, one that I loved up from um, Tim Keller and his group, um, um, who just passed away this weekend, um, said this when they put together in the Gospel Coalition, says this, Biblical friendship exists when two or more people bound together by common faith in Jesus Christ pursue him and his kingdom with intentionality and vulnerability. Rather than serving as an end to itself, friendship as an end to itself, biblical friendship serves primarily to bring Glory to Christ, who brought us into friendship with the Father. It is indispensable to the work of the gospel on the earth and in the earth and is essential element of what God created for us. Can you look at that last sentence for one second? 
And you ask yourself, if you don't have friendships, that friendship is the indispensable work of the gospel in the earth. Indispensable means that the work of, of, of God, of the gospel, can't needs to have friendship at the center of it. That are not only friendship with God, but friendship with one another, and it is an essential element of what we are created for. I even did this was was as I research is that some uh, scholars said this said that friendship viewed at the beginning of creation that we often view the the creation of Adam Eve as more of a marriage understanding. But I don't know if any of you are married or any of you are in relationships, but my relationship with Ashley didn't just all of a sudden, like we said hello, and then somebody, pastor, came up and said, you two are now wed. We developed a friendship. That God walked with them in the garden. Step in step. That what it might look if we not just frame ourselves at the beginning of creation of man and woman as to only towards marriage, but also towards the friendship and the relationship that they build together that leads to marriage. And so I, when we talk about Ecclesiastes, I love that in this section, like all these things that are like, like two are better than one, right? You get a better return on your investment and your labor. If they fall down, they pick them up. If they lie down together, they keep each other warm. If somebody attacks them, they're empowered. But then that's great. Like everybody, if you ended it there, if, if the writer of Ecclesiastes said that's it, it would view much like our friendships in the world. But he ends it with, a cord of three stands is not easily broken. But because we know that in the, that in our relationships, that in, when you talk about in marriage, but also in friendships, that friendships between two people who are followers of Jesus, that Jesus is the center of that relationship. Just as my marriage with Ashley is my marriage, at the center of it is both of us Understanding how to push each other to be better devoted followers of Jesus who are fully in love with him and then out of that love learn to love one another. And same thing in friendships is that these two people who are followers of Jesus who feel like God has called them to the same place and same space for a season just as this and that they live in relationship with one another and honoring Christ and teaching each other how to find and follow Jesus together. This is... So much so that if we talk a lot about discipleship, the church talks a lot about discipleship. And I want you to say this. Spiritual friendship is discipleship. Which means that not just praying and not just reading your Bible is discipleship. Friendship, spiritual friendship is discipleship. Which means that if we are wanting to become disciples of Jesus who look like Jesus and act like Jesus and talk like Jesus, then spiritual friendship should be at the core of what we do in the church. So why isn't it? Why are those stats that I believe probably make up of Christians, why are we having a friendship recession? Well, because I think the truth is that the church is where friendships are supposed to thrive, but we haven't fully believed that. We don't believe that friendships are an option, a an addition, an a la carte to the menu that you don't need to have your certificate to get into heaven. But in reality, it is vital that friendships are where 
Friendships, church, the church is where friendships thrive. And, and Pastor Mark, at uh, opening this series, uh, gave us this um, illustration. That when Jesus is, is living in ministry with, um, and started his ministry in those three years, this is primarily what he talks about. Is that he has 72, 12, and 3, or 3, 12, and 72. That Jesus surrounded himself with three close friends who were often seen with him in the moments of intimacy and uh, revealing his true self and who he was and the mission of God, that these people were the ones who saw behind the curtain. But then that, he, and that, then that three, that those close friends are the one who had an intimate relationship. Like again, at the end of the Gospels, it said the one that Jesus loved made it to the... Um, the the tomb first, right? Like the one that he loved the most. I love that. How does it fit? Like the arrogance of that is right. It's like the one that Jesus loves the most. Um, I was like, <laughs> but that the, there in that thing, that friendship and the three year best friends is where you find intimacy, true intimacy. That in the 12 is where you can find trust. That Mark talked about, like, in the 12 they found trust. That God entrusted the keys of the kingdom to the 12 disciples that he called to work with him in the bringing forth of the kingdom of God here, present, now. That he called 12. And he entrusted them. He taught next to them, who taught with them, and then in moments where they didn't fully understand, instead of just saying, guys, you just don't understand, I'm sorry, that's too bad. He took them aside and says, here, let me trust you with the fullness. Pull back the veil and see it all. That in our friendships with 12, that you find trust, that these people hold you and hold your story. But then also in the 72, that Jesus sent the 72 out. It's so funny. Jesus sent the 72 out two by two. But with him, so that they were a strand of three cords. Like he sent the 72 out to be friends on mission. And I love that within our denomination, that we call ourselves mission friends. Not so much mission co-labors, but we are mission friends. That friendships is a key and integral part to the mission of which we are on. And that's true for us at Pine Lake. That the mission happens be in and through our friendship. And I wonder, and this may be a challenge too much for you, but I wonder how many of this 3, 12, and 72 that you could name right now are in proximity to you. Because I know, like, my 609 friends and my 470-year-old friends, like, there's 3, 12, and 72 in them. But how many of those are actually in proximity to you? Jesus didn't Zoom call in disciples from other places. He sat with them. He ate with them. All of this happens in the body of Christ. All of this has the opportunity to happen. But all of it has to happen in proximity. That we do life together, that we build friendship together. And so what does that mean for you and me? What does that mean for us as a church, Pine Lake? As we say, what is the purpose of friendship? If we talked about we have been created for relationships, created for friendships, and that our students are asking that question that's deeply wired in them, that's not a peripheral question, but they understand that this is deeply rooted into the core of who they are, and they say the church tells me that my purpose is friendships. What does that mean for us? How do we play that out here? Well, I think the purpose 
is fully laid out not only in the three, the twelve, and the seventy-two. But I think we need peer and generational friendships to have a faith that lasts a lifetime. And this matches up with a study from the Fuller Theological Seminary. And it was the one that talks about how does faith stick. It says that you need five people other than your parents for you to have the opportunity and the possibility for your faith to stick for a lifetime. Five other people. And I do believe that those things can be friends. In high school, in college, in middle school. I believe those can be adult peer friendships, right? And we're talking about, they're mainly talking about students, that I think those can be peer peers. But hear me. Those also need to be your grandparents. Those need to be your aunt and uncles. Those could also probably be your neighbors. But the truth is here, when we contextualize our context... A lot of us don't have aunts and uncles here. A lot of us don't have grandparents here. A lot of us don't have the five other people of adults in our lives that help us understand how faith sticks in our own life. Because the church, though, has peer relationships in the Bible. You see David and Jonathan who are committed to following God. You have Elijah and Elisha. You have Paul and you have Barnabas. And I even would say, like, you have Jesus, James, John, and Peter. Now you might be like, how's that Peter, James, John, and Peter? But they are in the same place. They're the chosen best friends. And so I want to tell you right now, there's invaluable nature to having those pure friendships that lead you towards Jesus. But that can't be it. I want to show you a story of how this plays out in our church. So how I met Brent is, well, we were at the Fall Fest, and, well, I saw this R2-D2, and then I saw Brent uh, using the control for R2-D2, and then I talked for him to, for a little while, and... Yeah, we decided we could pass notes every Sunday and Tuesdays together. Do you remember, I usually bring R2-D2 places just for fun. Mm -hmm. And usually I kind of hide in the back so people don't see me and they can just play with R2-D2. But you found me and you came over and you sat with me for about 30 minutes just talking to me. And we established two things by the time we were done talking. Well, I should say you established two things. One, you were going to build an R2-D2 someday or a robot someday. And second, we were going to be a pen pals. And I didn't have any choice in the matter at all. So you get all the credit for starting this one. So thank you. Yeah, if I didn't start this, none of this would actually be happening right now. That's right. So we met the next Sunday, and we started exchanging letters. And the first letter I got from you was an invitation to your birthday party, to your ninth birthday party. So that was fun because there I was at Ellie's birthday party with about, what, nine or ten other nine-year-olds? Yeah, with my friends. Playing spin the tail on the Pokemon with everybody else. Yes. So that was a lot of fun for me. <laughs> and then uh, we kept exchanging letters every week, and I actually have something for you today. I'll give it to you afterwards. Um, 
But you know what's the best thing as far as my favorite part of our friendship? My favorite part of our friendship is that, <laughs> this is funny, one time I missed church, and the next time when I came to church, you ran up to me and you said, where were you? <laughs> and I actually love that. I think everybody needs someone at church who says, where are you when you're not there? Mm-hmm. And and when we, on the days I am there, you know what I get to do? The first thing I do when I get into the congregation, I look over to the right where you sit, and I get a big friendly wave and a big smile from you. And so I think that's something else everybody needs at church. So I not only get to exchange letters for you, but I get someone to keep me accountable, and I get some a big friendly wave and greeting every time I come to church. So thank you for that, Ellie. Yeah, and my favorite thing that is about you is we always trade notes every time. Maybe every time, like at Tuesdays together and on our Sundays at church. Yeah. And I always like to see our wings and faces. Oh, thank you. That doesn't just move me because that's my daughter. <laughs> you don't know that. That's my daughter. That's my nine-year-old uh, oldest. Uh, and that's Brent, who's just been um, at Pine Lake for a little bit over a year. And um, <sighs> But I believe... Oh. <laughs> if anybody says anything bad about Mark, you can now lose it. Oh, Lord. Just don't play golf with him. Um, <sighs> students. I'm going to say something that will blow your mind. The people that you're friends with now aren't going to be your friends forever. That's why I believe that in God's word, he doesn't just uh, elevate peer relationships, but he elevates relationships like this. That if you look through the story of scripture, you find a community of people where the generations have relationships and the generations impart faith to one another. There's a whole book, Proverbs, that says this, young generation, let me raise you up of what it looks like to be an Israelite that has faith in Yahweh. So young people, you can't just look at a whole like text in the Bible and then everything in there and say that doesn't matter. Now, now my older friends, you don't get off the hook either. When you look at young people, you should understand your role in the people of God is to love and adore and care for the next generation. That the legacy that you leave is not what brings recognition to you, but that brings glory to God played out in the lives that are here after you leave. You need one another. So my friends right now, younger friends, look around the room at my older friends. No, literally do it right now. Don't look down. And I'll play this game here. Now, my older friends, look around and find the younger people in here. The call of Jesus on both of your lives is to be in a friendship that honors Christ, 
that sees people grow up into the truth and knowledge and grace that Jesus loves them more than they could dare dream or imagine. And then take that message to those that don't know it so that the whole world will hear. The purpose of friendship is this. That's why you hear stories about Naomi and Ruth. That's why you hear stories and read stories about Paul and Timothy. That's why you read stories about Paul and Mark, Moses and Aaron, Abraham and Lot. You have people in this that have said, I am passing what I know on to the next generation. That Moses just isn't saying like, I'm the leader, now I'm riding off into the sunset. We need one another. And until we get that, And not just up here, but when that passes down and conviction here, we are setting up the next and the next and the next generation to be generations that lose friendships and faith. And I don't know about you, but that's not what I'm about here at Pine Lake. There are many other churches that are fine with excluding spiritual friendships out. Go there. But if you want to be here, The call is to build peer and generational friendships for the sake of the kingdom, for sake of Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? Father, I I sit here as a person who has moved across the country and have left friends. I've left my three multiple times. But the good thing about you, the one thing that I will tell about your story as you are never short of introducing to me the people that you have made and created that will love me. That will build me up. That will say, Austin, stay on the narrow path that leads to Christ. Don't go on that wide road. Stay in the narrow. And Father, for far too long, we as the church have said no to your purpose for our friendships. So today, as the leader of Pine Lake, God, we repent and we say we're sorry. We're sorry for saying no to the way that you have intentionally created us to be friends. God, would you forgive us? Would you set a new heart in me? Would you create a clean heart in us? God, and we begin to build relationships and friendships. Not for the glory of us, but so that we might know that you are the true Messiah. The friend that we have always waited for. And the friend we want to introduce to others. God, search me and know me. Search us and know us. That there might be any wickedness and wet in us. And would you purify us from all unrighteousness so that we may walk the way of Jesus. We ask this in your name. Amen.